Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So I'd like to think that if you are right now cleaning your house for Pesach, you're listening to us. That will make the experience so much easier. Then again, I hope you're not cleaning for Pesach. I hope you're already past that stage and now you're just at the point where you're getting ready for Pesach, which is just over 24 hours away. Either way, good to be part of your pre-Pesach experience. Fresh thinking time. It's Thursday afternoon. It is that time of the week. When we get uh, geared up for Shabbos, in this particular case, it's not just an ordinary Shabbos. In this particular case, it is Pesach. Fantastic time of the year. Such a powerful time of the year and such an opportune time of the year. So, uh, you'll be sitting at a Seder. Hopefully, if you're not going to be sitting at a Seder tomorrow night, let us know. We can sort you out. We're always welcome. and uh, You're always welcome, I should say, at a Seder table. Somewhere close by to you, you're welcome at my Seder table. So, uh, you know, if you're... Uh, if you are stuck, let us know. It would be a big mitzvah to be able to assist you. And if you know somebody who's stuck and for one reason or another you don't want to have them at your Seder, that's fine. There are plenty of other people who'd be welcoming them into their homes. So with just over 24 hours to go till Pesach, one of the things that's certainly on my mind about the Pesach Seder is we all know about the four questions. But to be perfectly honest, you can't limit yourself to four questions, surely. What kind of a Jewish thing is that to only ask four questions? So to take it a step further, we tend to ask many questions. In fact, we're told, our sages tell us, that the style of the Pesach Seder is supposed to be in question and answer format. Now, I know when you look inside your Pesach Haggadah, it doesn't necessarily appear that way. But that is how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be in question-answer format. So that got me thinking, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. When it comes to Pesach, and we know that there are all kinds of questions that we're supposed to ask, and we know that there are answers that we're supposed to give so the question I'd like to ask you today and give it some thought is what's more important or what's more valuable, a good question or a good answer? Uh, obviously, the fact that we're encouraged to ask questions at the Pesach Seder seems to imply that the questions should be good questions. And needless to say, if a person asks a good question, they certainly deserve a good answer. So I'm curious as to your perspective, and there are a number of ways that you could look at this. What is more valuable? What is more important, a good question or a good answer? And, of course, you can share your thoughts by texting 34519 or WhatsApp to 0618951019. Of course, that's like the Chai FM dial, 1019, so 061895. 1019. You could phone the studio on 0101403020, or you could tweet, as many people like to do on this show. You can tweet at Chai FM. You could tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. And I don't suppose this is only a Pesach question, even though Pesach is a time where we, see, we seem to focus more on questions than possibly other times of the year. But we could expand the question quite a lot further, and we could ask the question with regards generally to Judaism. Is Judaism more interested in good questions or in good answers? So you could speak about it in the very specific context of the Pesach Seder, where we are supposed to ask questions or at least encourage our children to ask questions, and then supposed to supply them with answers. And by the way, I, just an aside, but I know that it's very common for parents to 
push their children? Are you going to ask the questions? Will you be saying the Manishtana? And recently I saw a clip, a video clip of a montage of children who had come past the Lubavitcher Rebbe on various occasions, either at the times he would distribute dollar bills for people to give to charity or just prior to the Pesach season. And you see one clip after the next where the Rebbe asks these children, have you prepared the four questions? And needless to say, of course, you see that the uh, the parents are very proud when their children say, yes, I've prepared the four questions and so on. And then in a number of cases, after the parents have this great smile of satisfaction on their faces, the Rebbe turns to the parents and says, and have you prepared the answers to those questions. Now, it's interesting because I think very often what happens is we do encourage our children, come on, it's the Pesach night, you're going to get up, you're going to perform, you're going to stand on your chair, you're going to say all those things, Manishtana, etc. And we expect that they'll put in some effort and they will have learnt at school how to say Manishtana. So then, do we necessarily encourage ourselves or expect of ourselves to have the same kind of preparation in regards to our answers as they have with regards to their questions. So there are quite a number of facets, I suppose, or angles that one could look at in this conversation. But essentially, I think there's a lot more to explore than just the Pesach Seder. What is the value of a question? We could, we could frame it that way. What is the value of an answer? And it's a really intriguing thought. Which one has greater value? A really good question or a really good answer? And you could refer, I'm sure, to your own experience. I'm sure you've had times in your life where you've had a burning question and you just wanted somebody to hear you out and to give interest to your question. You know, this might have happened when you were younger. It's quite unfortunate. It's quite sad when that kind of thing happens, when a young person has what they think is a really good question, and then the adult who is supposed to be the custodian of the answer just fobs it off, and that could block your willingness or your interest or your enthusiasm to ask questions again in future. So that's another whole perspective on the story. But you know from your own experience when you've had a really good what you feel is a very compelling question, and then somebody responds to you and they give you an answer, you'll know how different it feels to have an answer that is satisfying or to have an answer that is, so you dealt with my question, you've put it to bed, you've gotten rid, I suppose, of my annoyance, but I don't feel that kind of excitement and satisfaction. So that's why I asked the question, what is greater, what is more important, what is more valuable, a good question or a good answer? And I'm hoping not to just get one-word responses because uh, people have insight and ideas which are more sophisticated than that. So maybe you can give a little bit of perspective why you think um, how you think or which particular thing you choose in terms of uh, if you're going to say – that it's more important to have a good question. You're going to say it's more important to have a good answer. Of course, I expect that there are going to be people who are going to give answers that are off the topic, but that's okay. That's uh, something that we normally uh, that we normally experience. It's part of the whole thing. Uh, here somebody says, I don't know who this person is referring to. This is Arno says, 
as the physicist Isaac Rabbi, I don't know who, if that's spelled correctly. Anyhow, as the physicist Isaac Rabbi used to recall, when his mother greeted him at the end of the school day, she always asked, did you ask good questions? I actually heard that recently from somebody else. I can't remember exactly who it was. But I did recently hear a similar thing where there was a person talking about how he grew up and as a child always came home to the question by his parents, did you ask a good question at school today because realistically sometimes you get so much more out of asking a good question than you do out of just simply going through the day doing everything that's kind of expected of you so it's a, it's an interesting thing it's an interesting point that Arno has made over there that uh, it's it's a worthwhile it's a worthwhile exercise to encourage your children did you ask a good question today Right, so my question, I suppose, when it comes to when it comes to Pesach, what's going on over here, man? That should not happen in the middle of a show. I don't know why that happened, but anyhow, uh, coming back. So when it comes to questions versus answers, seeing as this is the time of the year that we're supposed to be asking questions, and this is the time of the year that we're supposed to be giving answers. So my question is, why? Oh, not why. What is more valuable? A good question. Or a good answer. And, and it's probably one of the questions you could ask at your Pesach Seder tomorrow night. You could actually ask that at your Pesach Seder. Where you could say to the people at your table, we know that tonight we're going to be dealing with a whole lot of questions. We know that we're going to be dealing with a whole lot of answers. Which do you think should get more attention? Should we be encouraging people to think of questions? Or should we be encouraging people to think of answers? So your view, your perspective, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. 34519 or if you're going to use the WhatsApp number 061-895-1019. Let's hear your views. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Isn't it interesting that we talk so much about the four questions at the Pesach Seder and we don't necessarily talk about how many answers there are to those questions. So does that give a little bit more precedence to the question side of the argument or does it give more to the answer side? In other words, is it that we emphasize the fact that there are four questions, therefore the emphasis is on questions, or is it that we emphasize the fact that there is not necessarily an answer per question and that possibly we should keep going with many questions? Uh, sorry, I should say many answers. <laughs> I'm getting myself twisted over here on this question of questions versus answers. Somebody, obviously, I uh, kind of expected that this would happen. Gail says, that's a good question. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. But I'd love to hear, what do you think? Do you think we should be focused on questions? I think some people are afraid of questions. I think some people are afraid that questions may take them to places that they are not comfortable to go. I think some people are afraid that questions might open up areas that they don't necessarily feel comfortable exploring. So for many people, questions are frightening. So my question is, is a good question a good thing? And a lot of people are going to say, well, let's not get too caught up in questions. Maybe they'll end up in, in bad places. Maybe that's not where we should be going. Uh, yeah. Okay, so a couple of comments over here that are completely off the topic, so we're not going to go down those particular comments. So here's another one that I wanted to share with you. Linda says, a great question always brings more answers and learning. Now, let's explore that for a second, because if you think about it, one of the things that we're trying to do at the Pesach Seder is we're trying to learn, we're trying to think, we're trying to explore, we're trying to understand 
We're trying to take an, an issue that is a piece of history and translate it from being just simply history into being something which is relevant and something which is personal. And the moment you want to translate a concept from its abstraction, from its theory into practice, into something relevant, real, and personal, undoubtedly one of the key things that you're going to have to do is ask questions. So, for example, how does this apply? What does it mean to me? Why is this detail relevant? Why did it happen this way? You'll never get to a point where you actually feel that something is significant and personal if you haven't explored it. And in order to explore something, you typically will be asking questions about it. So is that not what we're doing at the Pesach Seder? You know, the Pesach Seder is supposed to commemorate Exodus from Egypt. And we know, we talk about this every single year, that the nature of Exodus is not just going from a place that's oppressive to a place that is expansive, but it's to go from a mindset that is limited to a mindset that is open. And the reality is that in order to do that, sometimes we need to be willing to ask questions which are not comfortable to ask. Think about it in every context. Let's say you've got a product and, and your product's not selling as well as you would like it to. So you have to ask yourself questions. What are we missing? Why is this not moving? What are people looking for? Let's say that it's a relationship and the relationship hasn't developed as deeply as you would want it to develop. Same kind of concept. You have to ask yourself questions. What could I be doing differently in this relationship? What is it that the other person would like to hear from me, receive from me? So all movement, all ability for a person to get out of a place where they are stuck, to get out of a place where the person is unable to move, to grow, to think, and, and, and completely shift does involve asking questions. So, yes, Linda's point about the fact that a good question is definitely the opening to more answers and more learning, I think that's absolutely I think that's absolutely valid. I think it's absolutely right. Let's keep this conversation going. So, somebody sent me something and I think it's directly relevant. I'm not going to read obviously the whole article, but somebody did send me an article and the way the article begins as follows, to be Jewish is to ask questions. Would you agree with that statement or not? To be Jewish is to ask questions. I wonder, because I do think that there are many people out there who would say that to be Jewish is to accept with faith. So to be Jewish is to ask questions. Would you agree or would you disagree with that particular line? I think it feeds directly into what we're talking about over here today. What's more important, to have the good question or to have a good answer? And the person who writes this particular article it's uh, in the Washington Post, says, by insisting, sorry, he says, the Talmud, by insisting we question, allows us to doubt. Now, that's probably what people are afraid of. To doubt? Oh, my gosh. I don't want to go there. I don't want to land up in a situation where I encourage people to doubt. Perhaps they'll doubt their beliefs. Perhaps they'll, perhaps they'll doubt the veracity of Judaism. Perhaps they'll doubt the uh, veracity of God. So maybe that's the reason that people are quite afraid of the concept of questioning. But I wonder, is it possible that you could ask questions that cause doubt in a completely different way? To doubt our perspectives. We are so caught in the way that we see things that we become absolutely convinced that the way we see things is in fact the way that things 
are. Whereas if we're willing to question that, it opens up the possibility of us seeing things the way that they are rather than the way that we are. One of those old cliches, but nonetheless a good one. So there could be a tremendous value to a question like, who says? I believe X, I've done it my whole life. Who says? Who says I'm right? Who says it should be that way? Think about this. Think about the Jews when they were in Egypt just prior to the Exodus. That's what they knew. They knew what it was to be a slave. They knew that Egypt was an oppressive country. They knew that no slave had ever escaped. They knew that this was their destiny and reality because that's what they had seen from their own parents and their parents had seen from their parents over the course of two centuries. So they knew. They knew that this is what it is. They knew that nobody gets out. They knew that if Pharaoh says no, it's no, finished. And then along comes Moses and, and basically tells the people, ask a different question. Who says Who says this has to be your destiny? Who says you have to live this way for the rest of your life? Who says there's no escape? Who says that things cannot change? And literally one day before the exodus, it's quite possible that they were equally convinced that it would never change. And there you go. The next thing, everything that you believed had to be wasn't. And everything that you believed couldn't be was So sometimes that's the power of a question. When you think that you have all the answers, that's when things go wrong. You know, it's the people who thought they had all the answers who caused many of the difficulties in our world. Whether it was the person who thought that he had the answer to dealing with Hitler, Yemach Shemoy, and uh, of course opened up the possibility for the Second World War, or whether it was those people who thought they had the answer to a really good investment in a particular, I mean, I can list a whole bunch of different investments, where they thought this was the answer to your financial needs, and it turned out that the investment went pear-shaped, or the person who thought that they had the answer to how to solve a particular medical problem that somebody had, and they were so convinced of that answer that they didn't, ask, they didn't ask a relevant question that might have changed the whole nature of that person's condition or the treatment of that condition and so on. So answers, okay, those are not good answers. People who believe that they have the answers are often the people who are the most stuck and the most trapped, whereas the person who's willing to say, maybe I don't, maybe I have to ask another question. Maybe that's exactly what's missing over here is a question or two in my life. Maybe that's Exactly where <laughs> lovely WhatsApp that just come through, but uh, maybe that's exactly where I need to put my attention. Somebody sent a WhatsApp over here, it's a little cartoon, and it says, And a can of worms do not open. Love it, I love that. I'm not sure though if that means that uh, you're suggesting that we should not ask questions, or you're suggesting that people are afraid if we ask questions because they believe it's a can of worms. Either way, it's a really good little cartoon. Thank you for sending it. Mike sends a WhatsApp to say, being Jewish means you have an answer for every question on the one hand, and the on the other hand, it could be about the questions. So, Mike, it sounds like you're still asking a question about your own answer. <laughs> okay. So, it could be that you have an answer to every question, or it could be that you have a question to every answer. How's that, Mike? Would you agree with that one? Terence, by SMS, says, what about people who are afraid of dealing with an answer to a question? Yes. Yes. Very good point. So, there are those who are absolutely paralyzed by fear of asking a question 
Don't ask. You don't know what you might discover. You don't know what people might say. You don't know how it might shape your perspective on the world. And Terence says, what about people who are afraid with hearing an answer to their question? I get that. I'm Rabbis get that a lot. People say, I don't know if I should ask you this question because I'm afraid of the answer. It's exactly right. And probably to not want to ask a question because you're afraid of the answer is one of the most limiting, self-defeating positions that we could adopt. Because what are, what are we effectively doing? I'm locking myself out of the opportunity for possibly hearing what I need to hear because I'm afraid that it might be what I need to hear but not what I want to hear. So Terence, yes, great observation that you've made over there. Keep those uh, messages coming in. It's an interesting conversation. 34519 by SMS on WhatsApp. It's 618 you can tweet. There's a few other tweets I'll share with you at Chai FM or directly at Rabbi Shish. It's Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Shish. We're talking today about Pesach and trying to learn out of Pesach, which is a time focused on Q&A. What's more important, a good question or a good answer? Here's an important announcement from Pick and Pay Nord. Please take note. Exodus Trolley Dash. Many customers came for the Trolley Dash on Tuesday night. After 7.30, even though we had decided early in the evening to move it to Thursday, today, customers felt that it was unfair as some had traveled far and were unable to come on Thursday night. So we decided to have two trolley dashes this year. Next Exodus trolley dash is tonight, 6 p.m. And remember, you have to be in the store to be able to take part. Enter your slip into the Exodus trolley dash box, trolley dash box at information. Shalom from the Pick and Pay team. Now, here's a good question. How will you be spending Pesach this year? If you thought that going away for Pesach was unaffordable, think again. Join Or Africa this Pesach at the Tabo Eco Lodge, which is just 20 minutes south of Johannesburg. You can come for the day and stay the night or come for the whole of Pesach. It's up to you. There are great daily activities, international rabbinic speakers, nightly entertainment. The food is of the highest Chabad supervision, and the accommodation is out of the world. I've actually been to Tabuiko a couple of times. a really beautiful place, and it's in the Klipperfiersburg Nature Reserve. So there's hikes, and there's some wildlife. And I understand that they are running a Pesach restaurant, so you can actually just pop over there for lunch. Which sounds really nice. For more details, visit their website, or Africa, that's orafrica.godaddysites.com, or SMS Pesach to 34519, and they'll contact you. I'm actually going to be there on Monday. I'm going to be doing a shiur over there lunchtime on Monday. So we'll see what it's all about. Sounds really exciting, I must say, to be able to have a place that you can just like zip out of town on Pesach and basically just have a lack of time. I think it should be nice. So there you go, Tabo Echo. It's called Or Africa. You can find out more details by SMSing Pesach to three four five one nine. And seeing as we're talking about questions, <laughs> let's hear your questions. Do you think that's what we're discussing today? Do you think that the answer or the question is more important? In the experience of Pesach Or for that matter In the experience of Judaism And also I quoted that line From this particular article In the Washington Post That says To be Jewish is to ask questions Agree or disagree While we're on the topic Why not? Laurie says A very nice insight Laurie says Usually what stands between you And what you want Is a better set of questions 
<laughs> How do you like that one? Um, lots to think about over there. Possibly what we're doing is asking the wrong questions. And maybe that's why I'm so fixated on whether it's a good question that's more valuable or a good answer. Questions and answers are a dime a dozen, but good questions are rare and good answers are rare. So, mm, yeah, there we go. Something to think about. Now, uh, Terence, another SMS from Terence says, what about giving an answer that is well below the level of the inquirer, thereby putting off the inquirer and fobbing him or her off? That's why I'm saying good answers, because unfortunately, I think we have convenient answers. Do you remember Mad Magazine? I don't know if they still do it. I haven't looked at a Mad Magazine in over 20 years, but uh, they used to have something called snappy answers to stupid questions. And effectively, I think the message, whether they intended it or not, was that a stupid question, you can get away with a snappy answer. But a good question cannot have a snappy answer. A good question's got to have a good answer. So, yes, if you're appealing, if you're pitching beneath the intelligence level of the person asking the question, so you're effectively insulting them and fobbing them off, well, then, in that case, that's not a good answer. It's not, it's not what I'm looking for. So... I'm talking about a good answer. If a person gives a good, a meaningful answer, an eye-opener answer, a satisfying answer, what's better? A good question or a good answer? Laurie says, could be that the wrong set of questions is the obstacle between you and what you want in life or what you could get in life. Claire says answers because I'm always looking for answers. Well, isn't that interesting? When a person says that they're always looking for answers and effectively what they, what Claire is saying is that you're constantly asking questions, which seems to imply that you are actually more interested in good questions because that's kind of what motivates you, but you would love the satisfaction of good answers to go with those good questions. You know, one of the things about a good answer is that that might be the end of the line. Once you get a good answer, you put that topic to bed. You don't have to deal with it again. Finished. Fartik. Ois. End of story. Whereas if you have a good question, you may constantly come back to the same answer and revisit it. That's pretty much what we do in Judaism. We answered the questions of the child last year when he said Manishtana. We dealt with them. Not only that, we pretty much know what the answers are going to be again this year because they're printed in the Haggadah that we're going to read this year. No surprises. But that's not the point. You know, the Talmud tells us that every single day your experience of Judaism and of Torah is supposed to be brand new. Literally. As if today you dealt with this information for the very first time. Again. So that implies that no matter what last year's answer was, it should not satisfy me for this year. I'm not who I was this time last year. Well, hopefully not. I don't know... As much as I knew last year, I know more, hopefully. So if that's the case, then the kind of answer that would have satisfied me last year should not satisfy me this year. And I should be looking for a new perspective. And in order to get that new perspective, I should have a nice, new, good, meaningful, insightful question this year. You know what else is interesting about this is if you think about it, the launch of the Seder experience which is, of course, one of the... Uh, I saw an article that it's the most celebrated Jewish event of the year, that Pesach Seder is more widely celebrated even than the high holidays, which is quite something. So if you consider that the opening for this entire experience called the Pesach Seder is with a child asking questions, that's got to tell you something. That's got to tell you that we value good questions. And yes, I know who was it who mentioned before that the Talmud is replete with questions. 
and the Talmud's methodology is all about asking questions. So that just tells you how much we care for a good question. But the fact that the Pesach Seder, which is not just that central festival, but rather is the template for how you break out of anything that is your personal prison. If that starts with questions, maybe it's telling us that the first step to all growth or the first step to all movement or the first step to all liberation is a good set of questions. And in a moment, I'll, I'll share with you something about that and about how exactly the Pesach Seder says exactly that. Um, here's Dean saying, good question. Rene says, a good question with a good answer. Well, that's nice. That's uh, the classic Jewish answer. I'll take both. How much is it? Yeah, I'll take both. So my question to you is, what's the value of a really good question? What can a really good question do for you? Because I do agree with Rena. You need to have both. You need to have a good question, but you also need to have a good answer. So what could a good question do for you? 34519 if you'd like to SMS or WhatsApp 0618951019. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Okay, so definitely some interesting comments coming through over here, some a little bit more detailed than others. Um, Here is Ashira who says, A good question, it makes me think and search for answers. And along the entire process, I'm close to my source. That's a very interesting point. And then she continues, if I don't find answers, I can still keep looking. And that can once again make others think about it and lead them in a similar way. So Ashira is saying that the process of asking a question doesn't necessarily mean I'm lost. It means I'm exploring. As long as I'm exploring, I'm close to where I should be. Zalmi says a new question (laughs) rather than a good question. Okay. Okay. I think that's a really, really good point. Yes, uh, David says, an inspiring question with an awesome answer. Okay, that's, uh, I suppose, what we're all looking for, right? An inspiring question with a, an awesome answer. You know what's interesting is if you take a look in many of the Haggadahs, many of the older Haggadahs, so there's always little instructions, right? Every Haggadah has little instructions on top of the what you're supposed to do next. And the particular instruction that's before the four questions says as follows. It says, Kan ha-ben sho'el. Here the son asks. Now in Hebrew the word sho'el could or equally also mean here the son requests. And in our Haggadahs it typically says manishtana. Here he asks the manishtana, which is the four questions. But in certain Haggadahs it actually says, Kan ha-ben, kan ha-ben sho'el. Here's where the son asks ma. He just asks just ma, just what. And leaves it open-ended like that. Now, the word ma, what, it's really fascinating if you think about it. Because the minute you ask the question what, effectively what you're doing is you're acknowledging, you're admitting that you don't know. Which means it's a moment of humility. It's a moment of openness. Very often, you know from your own experience that when you have a conversation and there's that person in the conversation who's always got the answer who's always I'll, I'll explain that to you I'll tell you something you can get really frustrating you could feel that they're patronizing you could feel that they don't actually hear you you could feel that they want to show their one upmanship whereas if a person is willing to listen if a person is willing to hear it makes for a wonderful interaction in fact the Mishnah tells us in Prika Avos in the Ethics of the Fathers that Ezehu Chacham who is a wise person 
not the person who's got all the answers. And, and it's a fascinating insight. It's not the person who's got all the answers. It's the person who has the capacity to learn from every person. Now, in order to be able to learn from other people, you have to be willing to ask yourself a question. Maybe I don't know. Maybe how, who says that I've, that I've worked this out? Who says that that person doesn't have something to answer me or to teach me or to, to illustrate to me? So when you go to the Pesach Seder, it says, Kan ben Shoel Ma. Here, at the beginning of the Pesach Seder, the child who is representative essentially of all of us, right? That's what a, what the child is. It's a very symbolic thing. The, the prophets tell us that God talks about the Jewish people as his child. It's very symbolic. Here the child asks ma or requests ma. So it could either be simply to ask or it could be to request. I'd like to have the opportunity to ask a good question. I'd like to have the opportunity to test everything that I believe that I know and say, what? What? Who says? How do I know? What do I really think? What do I really understand? It's really healthy because a lot of the time what we do is we lock ourselves into a particular thing. This is how I understand things. It works for me, talks to me, and we stay that way for decades on end. And that's not a healthy place to be. You know, when you, when you consider, for example, that we're going to see in the Pesach story, as we read it tomorrow night, we're going to see that there were five of the greatest Jewish sages ever in history. And they spent the whole night pulling apart the story, understanding, observing, you know, rehashing, asking. And, and you think, but, but they know this already. Or oh, here's another interesting thing. The Talmud tells us that if you don't have a child at your Seder, then you still have to ask the, yourself the questions. That means to say, even if you're sitting alone at the Seder, you've still got to ask yourself the questions. Because it is. Because it's that important. It's that important for us to allow ourselves to doubt ourselves. So I can't remember who it was earlier who said that question. I think it might have been Terence who said that a question opens up doubt. And maybe that's why people are afraid of questions. Yes, exactly. Because people are afraid not so much to doubt their beliefs, but to doubt themselves. And, and it's quite healthy to be able to doubt yourself from time to time. Not a bad thing. Because who says that you're right? Who says what you believe is accurate or should be the case? So not necessarily a bad thing. And that's why we're told at the beginning of the Seder, Khan, at this point, as we start the Pesach Seder, Haben Shoel Ma. The child asks or requests, Ma, give me that opportunity to see myself as one big question mark. I don't know if I'm as clearly defined or clearly as understood as I always thought I was. Or I don't know that my perspectives on people, you know, we were talking about this the other day. When you see people who have a faribble, right? It doesn't happen too often in the Jewish world. But let's just say you see somebody who has a faribble. Often, often, the only reason that that faribble persists, the reason that people don't get over themselves and actually sit down and, and reconnect, is because they don't ask a question. Who says that my perspective on how this all happened or whose fault it is, who says that, that I'm right? Who says my perspective is correct? He has another SMS that says, If the wise son asks the question, don't give him the simple son's answer. So that goes back earlier to what we were saying about the importance of a good answer. It is important to have good answers. It's equally important to have good questions. And that's how it is. You're always supposed to be in play. You're not supposed to get stuck in either the questioning mode, in which case you never accept an answer. That's not a healthy place to be. That's just contrarian. That's just trying, I suppose, to... To either show how smart you are, that you've always got a question. You see, nobody can answer my questions. 
or maybe you're just trying to make people's lives a little bit uncomfortable. It's equally no good to, to be stuck completely in the world of answers. I know there's an answer. Don't you worry. We've got this covered and, and never ask questions. They, they tell various stories about major. I mean, I mentioned earlier, they tell a story about one of the space shuttle missions. I think it may have been the Challenger mission that blew up shortly after takeoff. And it turned out that people just didn't ask the right questions. There were lower-grade technicians on the project, and they felt that they had certain doubts as to whether or not the, the weather was exactly right for a launch or whatever, but they were lower-grade technicians, and so they didn't ask those questions, or they didn't feel that they could ask those questions, and it led to absolute disaster. Uh, WhatsApp over here says, <laughs> I assume that um, that's not about Pesach. I assume that that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. And referring to our conversation over here today, what makes today different from all other days? It's not really. It's fresh thinking. It's what we do. We ask questions. We always see things from a somewhat different perspective. It's not altogether different at all. So, uh, well, at least I hope it's not. I hope this is how we feel all the time. That's one of the things I like to do over here is to try and ask good questions. So your thoughts, 34519, if you'd like to send an SMS, you can WhatsApp 0618951019, or you could tweet at Chai FM and tweet directly at Rabbi Shish. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. You know, sometimes uh, our listenership, I think, is a little bit higher grade. So here's at wondering... Uh, at WTG, whatever, it's Wondering Torah Girl. In answer to your question, is it better to ask the Seder questions or give the answers? So you don't want to be the dill, in brackets, ignorant. You may be in a pickle, confused, but if it's sweet, thinker, all will be okay. I think that's a bit higher grade. <laughs> that's, that's definitely something that uh, maybe we got to leave for the actual Seder night. That's quite something. <laughs> all right, so... Um, Talking about questions, talking about answers, I think what's really important is that tomorrow we're going to be sitting at the Pesach Seder. As I mentioned right at the beginning, if you know somebody who does not have a Pesach Seder to go to, please send them our way. There are many families who would be more than happy to have a guest for Pesach, and why not allow people the opportunity to share an experience? So we're going to sit at the Seder tomorrow night. The most important things that we need to do tomorrow night are four cups of wine. Note the word is cups, so don't take big cups because you've got to drink cups. No matter what size your cups are. And you've got to eat matzah a couple of times through the night. Minimum requirement works out to 26 grams. You've got to have some maror, horseradish, romaine lettuce. You've got to tell the story. And the way that we tell the story is through questions and answers. And I think that the, the Pesach Seder is teaching us something very important. We need to always constantly question everything about what we believe. We've got to question everything about what we're convinced of. We've got to question everything about how we see ourselves, how we see our position in the world, how we see our talents, how we see our opportunities, and certainly how we see other people. If we ask good questions... A good question is a question that looks to deepen my experience. A good question is a question that challenges me to look at life differently. A good question is not there just to make a point. A good question is not a question that is the same question I repeat by rote. A good question is thought-provoking. A good question pushes me into a somewhat uncomfortable space. A good question makes me look at myself in the mirror it's an incredibly, incredibly valuable tool. 
And I don't necessarily always have a good answer. I don't always have an answer to every question. And that's okay. Not every question needs an answer. Not every question will have an answer. I don't have to be afraid of asking a question just in case there is no answer. Sometimes it's good enough just to accept the fact that there are things I don't know, things I don't understand, things I'm still wondering about. That's where growth comes from. WhatsApp here from Cynthia says, when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. There are answers to the questions that many are not yet ready to receive. Very insightful. And I think that that's exactly the point. Sometimes we say, I asked a question and didn't receive an answer as if there's something wrong with whoever was supposed to provide the answer. Maybe I haven't yet asked the right question to open myself to get the right answer. So let's ask profound questions tomorrow at the Seder and let's hope that we get the answer to our most compelling and enduring question, which is when will we have the ultimate exodus with Mashiach? Let's hope that God will give us that answer in the form of a real Pesach tomorrow night. I want to wish you a meaningful Seder, a liberating Pesach, and a wonderful experience of the whole thing from the first Seder to the last bite of matzah in just over a week's time. Have a good yontav and a great week.